Welcome to The Unapologetic Woman. I'm your host, Pyle Berry. With over a decade of a blended experience in clinical psychology and global leadership development, I've dedicated my career and life purpose to empower women to believe I deserve a seat at the table and it's about damn time. But how do you create synergy between who you are and how you lead? On this podcast, we address that inner critic holding you back, release narratives that no longer serve you, and explore how to use your leadership platform to make an impact around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Simply put, I cut out the bullshit. I'm here to share inspiration, practical tips, and have challenging conversations with other badass individuals who are shifting the narrative for all women. So let's stop apologizing for who we are and rise together as the unapologetic woman. This podcast is a Soul Fire production. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Unapologetic Woman. I am really looking forward to today's topic. And the reason is because when we think about difficult conversations, all of us have been there, either on the receiving end of it, or we are the ones that have to initiate it. And it's hard, whether it's in your personal life or your professional life, it doesn't matter. It's an emotional conversation, even if you're talking about, you know, a very technical thing. It's an expectation that you have. It's a performance eval. It's a discussion about just priorities and expectation settings. It can be a really difficult conversation. (laughs) And before I get into the actual steps of this is how you have a difficult conversation and this is how you approach it and this is how you can ultimately end up in a better place than what you expect, I want to take a couple steps back because we can look up the technical steps that you have to do and, you know, what to say and all of that. But there are some underlying emotions that it can bring up for all of us. And until we really address those things that we don't want to address within ourselves, then those difficult conversations are going to become exasperated and they're going to consume us to the point where we are going to want to avoid them or it may actually irritate us more and it may have us erupt in a way that we weren't expecting to. Maybe it brings out the worst in us. So I want to take a few steps back and really acknowledge the psyche behind it, the, the limiting beliefs, the inner critic that's talking to us, that's preventing us from seeing difficult conversations from a different light that actually may be beneficial for all of us. So I'm going to start with asking how many of you have put off having difficult conversations because you just, you don't want to hurt the person or you justify that "Mm, maybe it's just not necessary. And how many of you guys can relate to that feeling where you know you're about to have that conversation, you know you should, you're dreading it. And even the simplest idea of having to initiate a conversation that you know is going to be difficult leaves you feeling tense, creates anxiety, and you'd rather think, that, you know, keeping the peace is more important than having this conversation. But here's the thing. I actually believe that by having these conversations, it actually keeps the peace. And the reason I say that is because when we get in our own head and we start making up reasons to avoid having conversations that may be hard and may bring up emotion that, you know, we don't want to really deal with, it actually then avoids 
and creates more misconceptions, more miscommunication. It can build resentment. And what you're doing is that for the sake of keeping the peace, you're actually destroying the relationship. By keeping the peace, what you really are doing is you're keeping things on the surface layer very superficially, holding on with strings to relationships that may be deteriorating because the idea of having a conversation is too hard. And we've all been there, right? Like there's a difference between even knowing that, okay, you know what? This is something I can let go. We can brush it off. It's really not that big of a deal. But there's other times where avoiding having a difficult conversation has probably costed a relationship. It's costed quality of work. It may have even costed you a client or money on the table. And when that happens, it hurts. It's like a gut punch. The idea that you may lose somebody that you deeply care about and you believe in because it was too hard to have conversations. And then even letting that person go is easier to just let that be versus what if I just told them how I felt? What if we just talked about it? So that's where I believe personally that having a difficult conversation or just calling it a conversation actually helps the relationships. It helps your team get along better. The more transparent we are with each other, and of course done in a specific way, which I'll go over in a minute, but when we're able to share with each other how we truly are feeling, our opinions, our thoughts, it prevents the guessing game. It kind of abolishes that. It just, it takes it away that now there's no guessing about what you're feeling or thinking. It creates that safety for people to actually build trust. Because when someone knows that another person's an avoidant, then what happens is they're so worried about how do I approach them with this conversation and they'll let it go. But then it just deepens that feeling of I'm not going to ever be heard because if I want to share something and this person feels queasy about hearing it, then I'm never going to be able to share. There's no going to be transparency. And now I don't know if I can even trust my own self. So there's a domino effect that happens with this. And it's the same thing on the other end, where on the flip side, if having a difficult conversation actually is more of an ego thing where you start thinking like, all right, well, you know what? I'm going to say what's on my mind and this is what it's about. And I don't care what the other person thinks. Well, that right there also not the way to have the conversation because all that does is it disrespects the other person. It closes the door of having an open conversation. And what it's doing is actually just validating and giving your ego a boost. And that's just what it is. And what we miss out on that is so powerful by not having these conversations is that we miss out on not only knowing how to overcome these moments so that it can strengthen your relationship, so it can nurture them, but we also miss out on the feeling of being so damn empowered that I have a voice and it matters and I got to share what I've been holding on to and that release is freaking amazing and it was well-received and I received well the feedback, and we can actually move on. It's this crazy level of clarity that we can have together. So this powerful nurturing of these relationships, you don't want to miss out on that because you may let go of something and someone that you may regret later in life. And I mean this from a professional perspective too. Sometimes by not having those conversations, we may resent someone and we may burn some bridges and 
as leaders, as entrepreneurs, we know that these worlds can be really small and you don't want to keep showing up with this pattern of burning bridges or keeping the peace, but truly never wanting to work with someone again based off of a assumption, based off of a miscommunication. It's actually going to damage you in the long run more than it is going to serve you. So I recently had a week where I ended up having multiple difficult conversations. A couple of them were with vendors. A couple of them were personal, actually. And it was crazy that it all happened in the same week. I don't know, maybe there's like a lunar eclipse or something going on. But what happened is that because of the way that I showed up to those conversations, because of how I prepared myself, I remember leaving it feeling so freaking good. And the reason is not just because we were both open and honest and very transparent, but it legit helped me feel so damn empowered because I trusted myself. I trusted my intuition. I shared my perspective of things and it really removed some of those assumptions that were happening, those expectations that weren't being met. And I went with my intuition on this and I approached the conversation with a lot of compassion and empathy. And it led for that conversation to actually be kind of easy. In the conversation that was meant to be this difficult one because I was going to share transparently some things that I was let down on, we actually ended up laughing. We smiled because the thing is that we knew that we were coming from a positive and well-intended place. The conversation wasn't a reflection of personalized attacks. It was not a way to, you know, attack the character of anyone, them on me, me on them. We kept the conversation very much on topic and in context of what was happening. So, you know, as in this episode and, you know, talking about the conversations and why am I even bringing this up is because one of the things is that the way that we play on words, words have a really big part of the way that we see things, the way that we label them, the way that we perceive it, then our core beliefs are build around that. So, you know, all of us have heard that confrontations or, you know, saying things like, I'm just not confrontational or it's just not worth it, water under the bridge. I'm just so much more of a peacekeeper. I don't need to bring things up. Well, the thing is that what that's doing, just having that word confrontation, and I know you've heard me say this over and over again because I really, really want, you know, I really believe in this. It's, it's something I feel very strongly about is that because of the word confrontation, that word, instead of calling it a confrontation, conversation, immediately when we use the word confrontation, it means you've told your mind, you've told yourself that, okay, I better be ready to either have a fight. It's going to be intense. It's going to be lots of tension. There's going to be an argument. There's going to be a lot of anxiety that comes with it. And what that does is it sends the signals to your body that, you know, your body responds with folded arms, a reserved tone of voice, maybe very protective of yourself, or maybe even just really hesitant. Your body posture is stiff and then, you know, it responds and tells your mind that you're not open to a discussion to hearing a different perspective, that I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to get into an argument. I'm ready to get into a disagreement. This is going to be tough. It may ruin our relationship. It may destroy everything. That your mind is so cluttered with the anxiety about the actual conversation that there's no room to listen and be clear-minded. There's no like, oh, hey, I'm about to just share an observation and yeah, it's going to be hard for the other person. So I want to show up with the most amount 
amount of empathy and compassion in this. Or you know what? I might be hearing something that I might not like. So I'm going to prepare myself because you know what? This may be a good lesson for me. This There might be something that I may grow out of this. And if I'm too tense to recognize what's being shared, then yes, the conversation is going to be difficult. And the other thing that I really want to address about it is that instead of making it so icky, when we can change that word from I'm not confrontational to, hey, you know what? This person matters to me. This vendor is someone I really respect. This client is really a high valuable client. My team member is someone who does really great work, but something's off. When we go into it more with, I'm just want to have a conversation with them. I just want to see where things are at. It takes away all that tense anxiety of what you've built up in your minds of what a confrontation is. It allows you to have that open conversation because you're going into it with good intentions. You're going into it with, I genuinely care about this person. Even, and I know this sounds crazy, but even when it comes to, I have to let this person go because their work has just not been good. First of all, you probably have had multiple conversations with this person at the time, at that, by that point. So letting them go isn't going to be the first time you're having a difficult conversation. But when you're even approaching something like that, when you are thinking about it with that person in mind, the way that you communicate it is going to come across a lot more kind, warm. And yes, it's going to be a sucky situation. Yes, it's going to be hard, but you're coming into it with mutual respect. The other part about confrontation versus conversation that I think is really important to address is that societal expectation around women and how we communicate is that the more subservient we are, the more peacekeeper we are, the more don't rock the boat, the more agreeable we are, it's considered ladylike. It's considered, well, that's a woman that is highly respectful because she's agreeable. So we have created this societal norm that when someone, and specifically a woman, speaks up and says, this is what I believe in, this is how I see myself, these are the opinions that I have, and she does it with a strong voice, she does it with confidence, suddenly it's looked on as aggressive. And the thing is that we know this from an abstract way, like we we see that, right? But when we're even just talking to ourselves or we're talking within a group of close friends or, you know, just within your team and you use words such as, well, you know, I'm disagreeable, I don't want to be difficult. That right there is essentially saying that someone who speaks up is difficult. So it sends a message to your team that that if you share your perspective or your opinion, you are being difficult now. And that is something that's been ingrained through society, whether it's minority cultures, whether it's just the broader world that we live in. When a woman speaks up, it's aggressive. And that's where we have to change how we look at words. We need to reframe the word so it has positive intention behind it. Where a woman bringing up her perspective and her opinions isn't looked on as difficult, but it's looked on as a new perspective. That she may bring something to the table that we haven't thought about. And when we're having these difficult conversations, it also brings up a lot of our own past behavior, our baggage, dynamics that weren't helpful to us. So we're living so much in that that we aren't always able to participate in the actual conversation. We may recognize that, well, you know, I'm this way because of the family that, you know, that I grew up in. We threw everything under the rug. We never dealt with it. So I don't have the language around it. Or I grew up in a really highly critical family. So anything remotely near feedback 
freaks me out and I can't handle it. And these are all very legitimate. You know, we may have grown up in families where they're very critical and they're very aggressive about it. And so now it just kind of has put you more in your shell. And the reason I bring up family dynamics is because when you're a leader and when you're starting your own business and you're scaling and you're building a team, those same dynamics do come through. They may seep in in different ways, but what we learn happens. If we've had experiences with former bosses of ours, let's just say like, for example, myself, I worked in corporate and when I had former bosses, um, I mean, majority of them were great. I should say that, but those one or two that, you know, would just be incredibly critical of everything that you do. It really does put a stunt in your mind of, I, I, I don't know if I want to go through that again. The thing is that, you know, what this also does is that it's great that we've realized where our concerns with difficult conversations come from, why they're hard for us. But what it also does is that when we stick to that language and that core belief of ours that I am just, I don't want to rock the boat. I just, I just want to keep the peace. I want to, I don't want to have this conversation. Let's just forget about it. What we're also doing is there's a little bit of shaming going on and just stick with me with this. The thing is that we're not just shaming the other person, but we're shaming ourselves because we've been taught that speaking up is not okay. So what it does is that when I speak up, I've associated this with negativity. And now I feel ashamed about that I shouldn't be bringing up my thoughts, that it's okay for me to sacrifice how I feel for remaining the peace. And again, what that does is your trust within yourself goes lower because you're you're not speaking up. You're not sharing something that may clear an expectation that may change behavior in a team and really empower your team dynamic. So when the disclaimer is given of don't give me feedback because of what I've gone through, what this does is it also removes the possibility of having vulnerable and open conversations. So if there is an issue that's coming up within your team, there is a silent rule that is don't bring it up. And that just causes more tension. It creates less vulnerability and it kind of can create more dysfunctions in your team. And when you're building a team from the ground up and this is your baby, that is the last thing that you want to have. So as much as it's important to recognize that, yes, we may have a difficult time because of all these other things that come up for us, but then staying in that and putting out the disclaimer that, well, look, I just have a really hard time with these conversations because I can't take criticism. What that's also doing is, and, and by saying that, you know, I'm just not confrontational, what that's doing, and I, I literally am to say this right now, is it's gaslighting the person who actually wants to have a healthy conversation. Someone who's showing up in a way where they're like, hey, I want to talk to you because this is really important. And the response is, I don't like having confrontations. What it's stopping is from the person who wants to have a healthy conversation for them to feel ashamed of like, wait a second, am I being difficult? And then that perpetuates the way that we see women in our society, in our businesses, in politics, in movies. I mean, we see it all the time, right? Like the one who's agreeable is considered the the heroin when the one who is the opinionated strong person is the one that is easily made into a villain. So Step one is realizing how you've been impacted. But step two is doing something about it, is being aware of how that's actually impacting 
your team, how it's impacting the vendors, how it's impacting your clients so that you can actually take responsibility for your behavior and make that easy. So these are the things that I really wanted to talk about before I got into the practicality of things and the technical steps of difficult conversations, because this is just as important. You know, having those difficult conversations can be really hard because if we don't address all these like inner critics that are going on in our mind, that paranoia that comes up, then what happens is that in that conversation, you may end up unconsciously, not with intention, taking a jab at the other person. You may end up saying something in a way that actually is kind of global and it really just deteriorates that conversation from being any kind of a solution coming out of it. So there's a couple of things that, you know, part of being a business owner is facing your own demons. And you know this as just as well as I do that growing a business and building a team is hard work. It is so damn hard. And this is your baby. You want to see it grow. You want to see it develop. And there's going to be moments where you're going to be learning so much about yourself. So what I want to do in this is that I want to change the way that a woman is able to share her vulnerability, share her thoughts and call it impressive. And that it's admirable that we can see her in a positive light for being honest and that we remove any guessing games. The better we communicate with each other, even the difficult ones, the stronger bonds we can act create and you don't leave any room for assumptions and trying to avoid hurting them or avoiding the tension that you have in your body is actually going to cause more turmoil because you're going to keep sitting with it and sitting with it and sitting with it. And it's just going to put you in a situation where either the other person is going to blow up or you will, and it's going to burn some bridges. So my framework of compassion for self, empathy for others, and accountability for both discusses exactly this. So now I'm going to go into the actual steps that you've been waiting for and that you want to know about. But I bring this these three pillars up because when you're thinking about having a conversation that's hard, there's three parts to it. The first part is the compassion for self, the acknowledging, the self-awareness, being aware of how others see you and how you see yourself. So you bridge the gap so that you're taking more control over your reputation and you're acknowledging those blind spots so that you're not going into something completely blindsided. So when you're going to have a difficult conversation and regardless if it's about performance levels, maybe it's about letting someone go, or it's purely a behavior issue and how it's impacting the rest of your team, how it may be impacting the quality of work that you have with your clients. I want you to start with the compassion for self piece. And what I mean by compassion for self, it's that sometimes we put everything else ahead of us and we don't think about the way that it may be impacting us. And then when we're not conscious of the way that things are impacting us, it leaves more room for us to make mistakes and it leaves more room for us to show up in a way where that's not how we wanted to speak. That's not how we wanted to share something. So what I want you to do is when you know that you're about to have a conversation that you're not looking forward to, ask yourself, what is the purpose of this conversation? What about having this particular conversation is going to bring out my own you know, triggers or my own demons from the past? And how can I make sure that I'm not going to project onto the other person? How do I address some of the things that I can expect that may come out of these conversation for myself before I go into it? And did you give yourself a day in advance, maybe the evening before, to have some space, block out some time to really process this conversation that you're about to have. Are you ready for it? How do you feel in your body about it? 
Are you stressed from a lot of other things going on that this may actually be a tipping point for you? Do you need to reschedule this conversation? Not because you're avoiding it, but because your own stress levels are going to make this a bad timing and bad decision. What is contributing for me to not want to have the conversation? Why am I trying to avoid it? And is that going to help me or is it delaying the inevitable? By not having the conversation, am I going to lose more in the long term and gain in the short term? Prepare yourself with some concrete examples and evaluate those. So what I mean by that is that when you're having a conversation with someone about behavior, so maybe someone in your team is acting up, it's really not normal in terms of how they normally behave. It's it's definitely something that's relatively new or it's a new hire that you had that is just not a great culture fit, they may be starting a little bit more, riling things up a little bit more and creating some kind of uh, conflict within the team. Either way, when you're approaching this, have concrete examples and think about those examples as, is this really on topic to the situation? And is this something that's going to, you know, create a projection in me? I would think about, you know, who that personality is, who is that person that I'm going to be speaking to and what is going on with within them that may project something out of me. So when we take the time to actually prepare ourselves, not just from a place of I'm going to make a list of everything they've done wrong, I'm going to give them this feedback, but you're taking the moment to actually prepare your mind, to prepare your body, to be more aware of your sensations that are happening within you. It's actually going to help you be a little bit more calm. It's going to help you ease that tension. And you're actually going to be able to think clearly because you also know that you're going into this with good intention that I really care about this team member of mine. They do phenomenal work, but there's something going on here. So I want to make sure that everything's okay. When you go in with that mindset versus the mindset of they've been messing up, they've got a behavior problem, this is not okay, and I'm going to reprimand them. The reaction right there, you can even feel it in my voice, is that it changes from a care and concern to a angry, uh, upset and emotions running really high. Now, remind yourself that the intention of the conversation and how will this conversation benefit the team? How will this conversation benefit you and the person on the receiving end of it? Now, the next step, the second pillar of the framework is empathy for others. Once you've addressed how to prepare yourself to show up for the meeting and think about the other person, they, you know, that's, that's the next step is how are you going to think about the person you are actually communicating with. You've addressed the reactions that you may have and also given yourself that time to prepare emotionally in your mind and body. Now, when you're thinking about them and how to have this conversation, they may provide insight that you weren't aware of and think about where they are in their journey. How do they communicate? Is this somebody who needs a uh, communication in an analytical way? Do they need data? Do they need, uh, are they more emotional? Do they need things shared with them from which perspective? Because when you're having a conversation with somebody and you really want them to hear you, especially if somebody's on the receiving end of it, it's always helpful to talk to them in a way that they would understand it. The other thing is, and I know I've mentioned this before, is that you want to use I statements instead of you. Imagine showing up and having someone say to you, you didn't do this well. You didn't do this well. You did this and that's what this caused. When you do this and I don't do that, what all that does is 
it creates this comparison of that I'm better than you because you do all these things. And what it also does is when you're using you instead of I, it puts the other person on defense. They feel attacked. And even though you may be coming into this with a um, open mind by using you all the time, it actually closes that other person off. So another method at this is using I statements. I've observed that the behavior has changed lately and I'm concerned what's going on. I've noticed that you've missed a few meetings and you've come in a bit disgruntled. What's going on? When there is the I statements and using more of the I've observed, I've noticed, I've seen, you're putting it back on yourself in terms of what you have determined about the situation and you're opening the door by saying what's going on to give them an opportunity to talk. When they're sharing information and you may have asked a question like what's going on or how come you've missed so many sessions, the other person may give some excuse or they may give their perspective. But then if something isn't clear to you, instead of letting it go, ask for clarification. Ask, well, can you explain that a little bit further? What do you mean by that? I'm not sure if I fully understood. By not asking for clarifications, it can lead to more assumptions. It'll just create this dynamic of, oh, I should have asked this, I should have asked this, but now I'm piecing it together. What do they really mean by this? And you want to prevent yourself from interrupting. A lot of times when we go into these conversations and someone's saying something, we think that we're listening, but we're just in our heads thinking about how we want to respond to the other person. What we want to do is actually listen to the person, watch and intentionally, what is their body language like? Even if it's over the phone or virtually, you can still feel their energy. So when someone is sharing, don't rebuttal with, well, you did this. That goes into an eye for an eye kind of a situation. Ask yourself, is this something that I need to take responsibility for? Can I apologize or is my pride going to hold me back? And maybe, you know, you just need to give context and can say, thank you for sharing this. I hear you and I understand how you can feel that way. I'd like to provide you with some context of the situation. Either way, that was not my intent. And I apologize that it left you feeling this way. So if something comes up where the person is sharing something that you don't agree with, or there's more to the story, this would be an appropriate way to respond. That way it's validating their perspective because their perspective is real to them. It's their reality. But by letting them know that, you know, I like to add some context to the situation. It's allowing that door of, let me share my perspective without it going into a place of, well, let me tell you this. And you tell me that it just, that just goes nowhere, to be honest. So when addressing an issue and you're stating it with, you know, I've observed on different occasions, this behavior, it's caused me some concerns, what's going on. If they resist from sharing Like just say to them, you know, listen, I'm here for you and I want us to work well together. I want to see you succeed. By sharing what's going on, that can help me gain better perspective of the situation. So, you know, what that does is it opens the door again, recognizing that the conversation isn't going to be easy for you or for them. So understand them and understand that style. It's going to help the conversation that much more. The third pillar is accountability. So you've addressed yourself, you've addressed them, but you still need to hold accountability to the situation and talk to them about what are the steps moving forward so this doesn't happen again, or ask them, what support do you need from me? How can I help? And what 
what will you acknowledge and be responsible for for yourself? What is a learning lesson that can come from this and what can you also take away? Leaving it with thinking about how can we be thankful for this conversation? For example, when I talked about those difficult conversations I had a couple weeks ago, I remember at the end of it, I remember saying that, gosh, I am so grateful for this conversation. Thank you so much for giving this opportunity to speak very transparently. It's helped me understand you and I hope it's helped you understand me better and we can move forward from this. So that way it removes grudges. And of course, it's going to take time to absorb it, to move forward, process thoughts. But when we are able to share what we were grateful for about that conversation exchange, it leaves it on terms where you're able to take, have a takeaway and a lesson from it. And here's you know, another thing is that when you acknowledge what you have appreciated about them and acknowledge what it is that has worked and share using the I statements, what is working and what isn't working and how it's impacted the business, the team, and what you think it's best to move forward with, then it's actually going to nurture that relationship a bit more. Giving them feedback on how you believe if they focused on XYZ, then you see them succeeding. Part of being in a relationship, and doesn't matter if it's personal or if it's a professional one, is having these difficult conversations. The more transparent we are, the less room there is for assumptions. And I know I've said this multiple times on this episode, but I truly mean it. I want you to think about that, is that it leaves less room for anger that festers from those assumptions. Being honest can pinch, but hiding the truth will lead to even more destructive relationships. And you can lose relationships for life and burn bridges. So having a difficult conversation is so much more than just about the approach. You have the piece of, you know, making sure that you're coming into the conversation with well intention. You're thinking about the other person and their perspective. There's less room for personalizing and having digs at each other. The emotions aren't heightened when we are able to address and recognize our own projections. When we see the person for their perspective and respect each other. When we then move into the accountability piece of, all right, well, this is where we are. Would it be healthy for us to return back to the way that we were working? Or do we need to reevaluate that so that it's a better situation for both of us? Those are things that are going to help the relationship be stronger because both people are being equally respected and we're not personalizing it. It's not a criticism on you. It's constructive feedback about the actual situation. So when you choose your intention behind the conversation from a positive place and from a well-intended place, and when you go into a conversation knowing from the other person as well that wow, okay, they're saying this because they genuinely care about me, that there isn't any kind of paranoia of self-destructiveness, then that also allows you to be open to hearing what the other person has to say. If something ultimately bothers you, is it truly what they said or is it a projection of yourself? So as a woman, as an unapologetic woman, I think it's important that we change the language from confrontation to conversations, that we change and we rephrase what it means for a woman to share her perspective from aggressive to assertive, that we change the way that difficult conversations are looked on from a place of, I have good intentions. My team means the world to me. My clients are so freaking awesome. And I want to make sure that I have a very open, transparent, and trusted 
interesting dynamic and environment that I've created. So having these conversations is a part of making us even better. So to me, an unapologetic woman is someone who can really share her perspective and not be looked on as a villain. And these relationships mean enough that it's worth it. So difficult conversations, and this is why I went a little bit long because it wasn't just about the steps. It's about addressing all the behind the scenes, the things that are going on in our mind that prevent us from having conversations that could actually prevent us from burning bridges and ruining relationships. So with that, I leave you today hoping that you've, you know, really taken a moment to reflect for yourself. How do I address, you know, having those difficult conversations besides the technicality of it? What do I do for myself so that I no longer play the victim and, you know, I'm able to show up for my team, but more importantly, I'm also able to show up for myself that when I show that I'm empowered to have these and role model health conversations, it shows my team that they're also allowed to speak up and share their perspective and give feedback as well. Because a good leader actually doesn't make followers and yes people, they create a dynamic where they're helping their individuals innovate and they're helping their teams like design and speak openly. And that is going to come with sometimes having those difficult conversations. Thanks for listening to The Unapologetic Woman. If you like what you heard today, then please subscribe so you'll get real-time updates when I post a new episode. And if you really believe that others should be hearing this, then leave a rating or review this episode so others can find it too. And if there's something you'd really love for me to cover or highlight, then head over to my Instagram account at Pileberry. DM me to let me know. I'm all ears. If you want free resources, practical tips, and inspirational stories that I share with my clients, visit pileberry.com and subscribe to my newsletter. You'll get them all. Until then, take a moment to celebrate your journey, reflect, and be ready to embrace your next epiphany.